We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to episode 217 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm again joined by Frances Tomas, Barca columnist featured on ESPN. Frances, you did say you used to play a little bit of outside back, and I think Barcelona, I know we're going to talk about this later, but Barcelona might need to give you a call about that right back, backup spot. Hola, culés. Um, well, no. <laughs> In short, I was never that good. Um, I always played as a fullback, normally a right back. Um, whenever there was no one that could play the other side, I would also be a left back. Um, I think there are millions of players that are better than me. Unfortunately, Barca don't seem to be able to find anyone that is decent enough to to start for our team or you know to take the button from the great Dani Alves or even Avidal, to be honest. So, yeah, I think they need to keep searching. They need to look a little bit harder. But no, I, I was a bit rubbish, to be honest. Well, that's a tough thing, France. It seems like all the other players and options are saying no. So it's not too long before we start to get our calls as well. But instead of talking about the fullbacks, we're going to hit that later on in the show. But where we start with Arlo Ronda today, because that is what we're doing today, is our listener questions from our closed Facebook group. We get one from Dirk to start things out. Because even though there's all the Ricky Poos, Luis Suarez, and the fullback, Nelson Semedo sale, all of those things that we'll talk about over the course of the show, the team does start La Liga. I know the rest of La Liga has begun, but... Barcelona starts the Liga this coming Sunday against Villarreal. So it is time to play some football. I know there's all these things coming on, happening in the background, but it's time to actually play. So we start with a question from Dirk about the team and about Ronald Koeman. What is going to be Koeman's greatest challenge? Dirk asks, if you look back at Valverde and Setien, I think they primarily struggle with two things, the aging core of the team and an offensive system that struggled to integrate players like Coutinho or Griezmann. And Motaha adds on that, what are your thoughts on Coleman so far? It seems though he has quickly gone back on his word of playing young players with the lineup against Elche, showing us that he prefers the veterans in the squad over the younger players. Can we honestly expect anything different from the previous seasons, given that players like Busquets and Alba are still regular starters? So we'll start that there, Frances, with the question that I'll direct to you. What do you think Coleman's greatest challenge is this season? 
the greatest challenge for me is being able to manage, if he can, obviously, or try to manage, the very, very negative atmosphere around the club. Uh, I think that the, the mere fact that those questions are already being asked, um, despite the guy hasn't really had an official game yet, it's uh, it's an example of where we are. Normally, when you get a new manager, the people you know rally behind and people try and you know give him a bit of leeway in terms of things that they're trying. Um, Kuman has tried a new system that obviously is different from the previous two. The four, two, three, one seems to be the way forward. And uh, that is something that Alberto tried a couple of times, but never really stuck. Um, then obviously Setien was doing whatever he was doing, but obviously it was far less effective than even Valverde was before. Last time that Barca had a 4-2-3-1 that was successful-ish was with um, with Reihard until obviously um, Davies was, was signed. Edgar Davids was signed and then obviously the double pivot disappeared because the guy was doing the, you know, two people's job. Before that, you have to go back to Bobby Robson in the season that Ronaldo was at Barca and obviously Robson was at Barca as well. Both of them were just with us for 12 months. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, normally you would give Kuman some credit and uh, some support at least to start. But obviously the negative atmosphere around the club, um, not necessarily Kuman's fault, totally Kuman's fault. I think it's obviously linked to, to Bartomeu and, and the elections and the non-elections and the Messi drama and Messi goes and then Messi stays and then Luis Suarez is, um, you know, about to go and then he's not going and then Ricky Puig is the start of the, the start of the summer, the start of the lockdown, um, the best player at Barca arguably in the last four or five months and then he's he's been told to go and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that, I think, is making Kuma's much, Kuma's job much, much, much harder than it needs to be at this stage. Um, other than that, for sporting reasons, I think that he's trending different different strategies. He's trying different players, and uh, he's going to play the best 11, like I would do, to be honest. I would play the best 11 players, um, regardless of their age, regardless of their experience. I would just base it based on form, and I'm assuming that's what he's going to do. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but the 11 that we saw to close up the Gamper match to start against Elche is very reminiscent of a squad that is the experienced version, the most experienced version of the team, whether it's Pjanic and Busquets in the double pivot with Frankie de Jong. But that back line, it's going to be Neto in net. It's going to be Alba, Langley, PK, and Roberto right across that back four line, which is, I mean, I think one of the points that brings up what you fear about Coleman, but you look at what's happening. And again, it's all connected here because by selling uh, Nelson Semedo, and I know a lot of people said that he, he doesn't necessarily the answer over Sergio Roberto anyway, but with Alba not really getting competition from Junior Firpo, and then obviously with Ronald Araujo, the only under, other center back with Tadebo frozen out, the only other center back available other than Lingley and PK, that is kind of the de facto back line. So as much as we can criticize Coleman for basically having the same back line that leaked in all those goals. Now, I know it was Semedo over Roberto, but you're not going to say that's necessarily a defensive upgrade, <laughs> Roberto over Semedo. So that's the same back line that leaked in all those goals and did have troubles last year. And so people are bringing that up. Again, you have Busquets, who you'd expect to start until Pionic really gets match fit. He only got to play about you know less than 30 minutes against Elche in the Campere Trophy match. And then the Fords, I think, is where I do have probably, I guess, the most faith. And so I wouldn't say that's his greatest challenge. His greatest challenge is going to be to have balance throughout the squad, but I am optimistic about what we've seen from that forward line where he's been willing to experiment. We've seen Messi play in all in three of the four positions up front where he's played as the number nine, he's played underneath as the attacking midfielder, and he's played 
on the right. And Coleman has tried to figure out how you can give defensive support to Messi if you start him on the right with Coutinho in the middle. So we could see a variation of different things depending on what works, uh, particularly up top. But that's because he has so many more options, again, with Dembele and Fati and Trincao to hold down the wing spots. And so it's really behind them in the double pivot and then to the back line where you have your worries. And the other part here is that it seemed like things were not necessarily positive for Coleman because, again, with potentially Victor Fana, whoever it may be, coming in as a new board we don't know when that's going to happen and Coleman isn't expected to be the manager if it's Victor Font it's going to be Xavi who's also going to have a large say in the sporting project that's the thing that Victor Font is putting forth that it would be a collaborative effort between everybody and by having him in that position and, and Coleman basically being a lame duck already it does make this a whole awkward situation but again I think people are willing to live with Coleman and try the 4-2-3-1 which we've seen work to great effect at this moment in football's history at this moment in football time that the 4-2-3-1 works and Barca squad does kind of suit the formation they're playing for once which is helpful but we bring up the question from Douglas that I think is important to note here about when things changed for Coleman or his public the we'll say public outcry against Coleman began was when they took as you said one of the most promising factors of the end of the season as in as in post lockdown was Ricky Puj and the emergence of him in the first team under Setien. So Douglas asked, not suggesting that he go out on loan, but what would be the best case or best club for Puj? Celta de Vigo or Real Betis might be a good fit. And Frances, I'm going to let you weigh in here because I have a bit to say about Ricky Puj, and I, I guess I'll fill in the gaps for what you don't have to say, but what would you do with Ricky Puj here? I mean, he said he's going to fight for his spot, but if you're Puj, do you stay at the club? Do you, do you get a loan? And if so, where would you look for that loan? Or would you just concede that you're playing with Barca B, which I think that one is the one that doesn't seem to be the option. It's a very tricky one because, there, as you mentioned in your question, there are a lot of um, interests. There's a lot of different views. There's a lot of interest in this in this question and in, in this situation. Um, if I was the player, I would stay. Um, if I was Ricky, I would stay at Barca um, because of the timeline. Not because of the managers telling me that it's better if I go. I would say that the manager is an interim manager, really, effectively. Um, if the Musiola Sansura goes forward, then literally Kuman is going to have three or four months in charge. Um, if Victor Fon wins, which is likely, I'm not saying it's certain, but if it's likely, then Kuman will not really finish the season. So with that in mind, if I am Ricky Puch and I go for a loan, I will go to one of the clubs that you've said. I don't know if they've got interest. Seems seems to me that... Any club uh, with a decent brain will, will, will want Ricky Butch to be part of the squad, apart from us, apparently. Uh, go and figure that one out. But um, Betis, Celta, Ajax Amsterdam, I think are three very good um, destinos, very good uh, places for, for, for Ricky to go. Uh, but if I was him, I would buy my time. I would work hard um, alongside Messi, Dembele, Coutinho, etc. and try and try and earn my spot. From Kuma's perspective... I think that um, he's done it based on what he sees, to be honest. He's got a system, 4-2-3-1. He's worked out what options he's got in the different spots. And uh, he's worked out that he's not going to be trusting Ricky as a first, second, third, fourth, fifth option even. Um, well, it will be the fifth option in the double pivot. And he doesn't seem to want to play him up front. So from Kuman's perspective, I understand what he's doing. I think he's just being honest uh, based on the information that he has seen in training and ask him to go. Uh, you can also figure, and we don't, we're never going to know this, but maybe Bartomeu asked him to 
ship him out, see if he could get some money out of it so that the economy of the club improves because obviously, and there's been a lot of players, I think it's, I counted three or four different Barca B players that have been sold or loaned for a, you know, you must buy this player clause in the last week, which is very suspicious, very, very strange. I want to put names to that. Sergio Keme, Danny Morer, and then Jorge Cuenca was this morning to Villarreal, which that one actually wound up being financially a good deal. But again, that's not credit on good business. That is just merely the board needs to do that. So things can be two things, as Total Soccer Show always says. But yeah, I just want to throw in that. Yeah, for sure. So um, some some business being done um, very last minute. Obviously, Arturo Vidal gone or going. You've got Suarez about to go. Uh, Rakitic is gone. Um, you've got Semedo probably going soon for quite a bit of money, to be fair. I'm sure we'll talk about that, about that later. But from Bartomeu's perspective, it seems like a last-minute panic buy. Um, you know, <laughs> it feels like Black Friday um, all over again. But, you know, there you go. Um, and then, well, that's all the perspective, isn't it? From the fans' perspective, um, it is disheartening to see that the club that, you know, is Mesquim Club and a club that has a philosophy that, you know, we, we go into games to win them and we play football to to. To, to have fun, really, to, to an attractive way, a forward-thinking way, an innovative way. That's all of those adjectives that I just said. They describe Ricky Butch, and to have someone like him going or being told to go is really, really disheartening. I mean, I was reading some people that are saying, this is not the club that I fell in love with, etc., etc., etc. And I totally understand that. And, you know, that's why there's a Museo de Sansura. That's why, you know, of over 20,000 people without a single football match being played at the camp. No, actually got of the backside. It's not people, but sausages. Got of the backside and went to, to sign this paper to get Bartomeu out of the club. I think that it is fairly obvious that La Masa Social, the fans of the club uh, and the sausages as well, are just fed up with what's happening. And the Ricky Puch fiasco, because there's no other word. It is a fiasco. It is a disaster and it's an embarrassment. Um, cannot really be described in any other way. Yeah, somehow I think I'm more frustrated than you. So you'll hear from me after this break. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs? which are shown to be three and a half more times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is over, and football, that is American football for all you Barca fans, is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, Francis, I'm going to try to be calm about my response to the Ricky Pooj situation, as we say, as the fiasco, as you called it, because, you know, I think I would do the same thing as you. I agree with your timeline that if I'm Ricky Pooj, I stay put because we have seen the disasters that recent loans have been. Now, I'm not saying that any player for Barcelona should not go out on loan in hopes that they succeed, but any idea that this board would have of sending a player out on loan that's going to wind up being successful, I think is very little chance for that to happen. I think back, I think I mentioned last week, the Juan Miranda deal to Schalke wound up being not only a terrible situation, and I'm not, as much as I want to shirk blame from Miranda, but that's also where Tadebo was sent. Schalke was in a terrible situation at that time and should not have been, uh, you shouldn't be sending your, your players to the club, to Schalke, in the situation that they were in a year ago. And I think that was bad management and not really looking forward to the future of the, of the players. And I'm, it's fine that Miranda is not good enough for Barca. My frustration with these loans over, and even with Casalanya going to Real Betis for the last six months, I mean, it was fine. It worked out okay. But Real Betis, in the same way, were almost fighting relegation at times. And I don't know if it was the best fit for him either. And I, I keep questioning that. You think back all the way to Sergio Samper and you go, oh, well, he got injured too much. And then you actually look at the two loans he went out and you go, well, Granada wound up being a terrible situation because they were playing this defensive 4-4-2 for a, a midfielder that was more forward-thinking and more, mm-hmm. more of a vertical. So as much as you put the onus on these players for all these failed loans and you go, well, they weren't good enough for Barca anyway, that's, what, that's the response we get instead of putting the onus on the board and saying that, well, why did they send them to the clubs they sent them to in the first place? Don't they do enough scouting or vetting? or It, just, it doesn't make sense. And to the point, part two of that is, in my brain, emotionally, in my heart, I cannot consider that the board would cynically sell Ricky Pooj right now to make money. I, I think if I tried to understand that as possible, I, I would just I'd go to the Camp Nou myself <laughs> and get somehow I'd swim across the Atlantic Ocean and start yelling outside outside the building. But when it comes to the Ricky Pooj situation, the reason why I would I would wait it out, and this is this is I got two fun stories for you, Frances. As we were talking and started the show about your football history. So when I was in high school, I played some high school soccer, as we call it in the States, and I had a coach who, for my first two years, when I was, you know, just coming up, a freshman and all that, he always told me I had to gain some weight. And he goes, well, because I played in rural Pennsylvania, where it was more about, a, it was basically a fist fight more than it was actually the beautiful game. And we played down in this little swamp. And my coach would always say, we got, you got to put on weight, you got to put on weight. And I, I tried my best, but I was, you know, 14, 15 years old, and I just could not get any weight to stick. So I had to wait and wait. And I said, but we're losing so much. Our varsity team, all we do is pick up the L's. So eventually, I mean, not that I was waiting for a high school coach to get fired because that's not how high school works. But in the same regard, I was like, I mean, eventually there's got to be some kind of change. Even he might change his mind on the way we're playing. So eventually he's going to have to opt for the, the, the quicker, speedier, tinier little kids. And so the long story short, eventually he did leave. And then eventually your, your humble podcast host did get a few minutes and was able to actually play. But for me, it wound up being a little too late. You can't really sit on the bench for too many years and then expect Dan, to be a good player. But yes, Francis. Were you 43 at the time when he left? Because you must have been waiting a long, long time. <laughs> I was not 43. No, no, it was, it was two and a half, three years. And then I finally got my shot. But the other side of the coin here, and this is the sadder story, is I also played high school tennis. And that coach was, I had some difficulties with him. He did basically, he gave me the Coman de Pouge treatment and he said, 
Uh, don't really like you. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to play you. That's the reality. And I said, well, I like playing tennis. So maybe eventually this guy, he's done enough to get fired. Maybe he'll get fired. And I waited that one out. And unfortunately, Frances, yes, this is the bad part of that story, is that he got fired the year after I had left. I was already in college. And then I get a call from a friend like, hey, that guy who's not very nice to you for all those years is finally gone. But that doesn't make up for the time that I, I didn't get and didn't play. And so there are, I mean, just from personal experience that I know for Pooj, not to say what it's like to be a future millionaire and a future superstar in world football, but I do understand that there is a decision to be made. Do I go forward on the path I'm on and just hope that I can wait out this, this authority figure or do I cut my losses and, and leave and try to do something about it? And as I said, Frances, I have not in any way tried to understand that the, the board would, would try to get rid of Pooj. But at this point, I mean, and this is the politics of it, that I mean, the board has done so many other things. Selling off Ricky Pooj for some extra money or extra cash so they don't have to pay it the, when, when they're removed, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we're at that point, right, that you'd expect that kind of behavior because there's no way they could ruin their, their public image any worse than it is at the moment. So really, selling Ricky Pooj would just be another, another nail in that coffin. And I think for all the goodwill and I wouldn't say this board has gotten goodwill, but for all the goodwill and positive, warm, fuzzy feelings that fans might be having about the, say, the, the purchases of Pedri and Trincao, and then you couple that with the emergence of Ansu Fadi, who really is a superstar in the making, all of those young talents, it's all for naught if you show that you still don't have a, a sporting project. And it looks more like those players are all a bit of dumb luck that the board and the, and the club walked into than it is actually having a plan because Ricky Puj. And this is the thing that we wind up overhyping or we wind up, as they say, standing for certain players, as in we stand for Tadebo. Why isn't he in the, in, in, in the team? And then you have others say, well, uh, you know, these are his faults. Here are his weaknesses. But that's not the point. You have a young, good center back that, I mean, apparently the, the rumor is that it was a row with Alba and those two don't get along. And so, but I don't think Alba has that kind of pull. I think the, the board just legitimately wants to get money for Tadebo. I think that's, you don't have to think too hard about that story. So there's no, so you have Tadebo frozen out and you go, well, why? And it's not a matter of standing for Tadebo or saying, well, I'm fighting for him against other players or he's better than Eric Garcia. That's not the point. It's that Tadebo, they already have him standing around in training. I mean, watching or not, or not even training, but just standing around in the stand. So why aren't you trying to play him or try to figure out how he integrates? And the same thing with, with Puj, where I'm not going to say that Ricky Puj is going to is the next Iniesta. We're not overhyping him or doing anything like that. But we're saying is the eye test told me that Barcelona, FC Barcelona, for three months, moved the ball better on the field with Ricky Puj on the field. And Pjanic is the only new face in that midfield. And Eleni is back on loan, sure. But the, the team is better when Ricky Puj plays. And he's going to have to adapt to the double pivot position, sure. But he clearly showed in the preseason that that's a work in progress and he's already doing well at it. So it makes no footballing sense to me even. And I understand Coleman wants to go with experience, but that's the whole problem here that if Coleman is just going to fall back on what every other manager has done and say, well, you know, Pooj, we like the way you move the ball, but for X, Y, Z reasons, I just need experience. I just need guys who've been there before. Well, the guys who've been there before keep losing. So maybe it is time for some new blood. And it's not just because Ricky Pooj is going to be the next superstar. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that you have this young, promising midfielder that seems to make the team better. Is there something that we're seeing that it seems like the managers in charge aren't seeing? It just it, That's what the disconnect for me, why I just can't understand, not even the treatment of Pooj, because young players are told they don't fit all the time. But why is this young player being told, right? I understand if you're telling Jorge Cuenca to to maybe look somewhere else because you've been at Barca B for a while 
and it's time to maybe look somewhere else. So that's, I mean, it makes sense. Villarreal and or and, and Danny, Danny Morero was 22, about to be 23. So yeah, it makes sense that he's not going to push in the first team. Maybe time for you to see greener pastures. Even a guy going back to Carlos Perez, who's doing well at Roma. I, I feel like Carlos Perez was a player that I said, mm, he's on the verge of the first team. Same thing with Manchu. They're on the verge of the first team. Maybe if things go right and they show well, they can contribute. But Ricky Pooj is the first team player. Duh. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. No, no, I agree. I don't think I can add much more to, to what you're saying. I just think that it comes to Kuman not being able to, in his eyes, trust him in the attacking four. And then in the double pivot, it's either him or Alanya, I would say. And he's chosen Alanya maybe because he's more experienced, maybe because he's a bit taller, maybe because he's a bit stronger. I'm not sure. I don't have much more to add, Dan. I do agree with you. So I don't want to repeat what you said. Yeah, so Francis, I'm going to let you weigh in a lot more on Luis Suarez. I know I've done all my talking about on Pooj as we expected. So Stefan asks, if you guys have read the Graham Hunter book, and I do highly recommend making of the best team in the world. Also, we have a suggested reading. So if you hit that, follow the link. You know, it helps us out just a little bit. So that's, again, making of the best team in the world by Graham Hunter. So one of the elements, though, that he does mention in that book is that when Guardiola arrived, there was a clearing out of toxic players in the locker room. And, he, you know, Stefan does mention that Alba, he does ask some question marks there, as many have, but Alba Dahl, as I always like to say, does have a contract till 2023, so Alba's going to laugh at us a lot longer than we're laughing at him. And then Richard adds to that, because I think we immediately transition to talking about Luis Suarez, because Coleman has made, as Richard asked, Coleman has made recapturing the league even harder by allowing Luis Suarez to potentially, when Richard asks this question, to join Atletico Madrid for free. So, Francesca, I'll let you also weigh in on the situation. What realistic fallback plans do you think we'll have for losing a guaranteed 20-plus goals a season at least score. So, Frances here, the story would be that Luis Suarez, the club is trying to terminate his contract, but before they did that and pulled the, and pulled the final trigger, it looks like Bartomeu said, well, well, there are a list of clubs we don't want you to go to. Atletico Madrid is not on that list, but then once the, uh, Bartomeu caught wind that Luis Suarez is going to go to Atletico Madrid, the everything kind of fell through. And then there's also this uh, story about the Italian test that Luis Suarez apparently didn't do so well on, or he did do well, but it was for nefarious reasons. And so that deal for to Juventus falls through, and now the Atletico Madrid deal seems to be falling through too. And the options for a player with his salary are drying up very quick, even more so with this COVID economy. But his Barcelona, I mean, it makes sense of this, that they're willing to terminate his contract and say, we just got to have you leave. We don't care where you go. We're going to pay you to leave just so we get you out of our dressing room. It seems like we're getting to a point where I mean, is that just because of the toxicity of having Luis Suarez around? I mean, we heard Ivan Rakitic say that he wasn't really good friends with Messi and Suarez, and it makes you think that, okay, maybe there is some kind of duopoly of personality going on there between Messi and Suarez and then everybody else. So those are all those questions you asked, but Francis, what do you make of this Luis Suarez story? I think that Luis Suarez has to go, as I said it last week. I think that because of the reasons that Graham Hamta explains on his book, I think it is very clear that the dressing room needs a change. I think the biggest trigger for Messi is underperformance, and, and not just underperformance on the pitch, but underperformance from a mental perspective, is having too many negative heads around him, or, or just heads that steer him in a direction that is not the, the positive one. Um, and I think that it's quite clear that Jordi Alba... And Luis Suarez, especially Suarez, are, are, are the main culprits for, you know, for, for Messi's head going in one direction that doesn't benefit the overall of the team. So I think he has to go. Um, the thing is, you cannot have your cake and eat it. You know, you cannot one second say, I want Luis Suarez to go. And then the next second, yeah, but I don't want him to go to Atletico Madrid, you know. And, and, and I think that maybe it's because of the hyperactivity and the, you know, ever-present 
Twitter and social media nonsense all around, but people seem to be unhappy whatever happens. If Luis Suarez stays, then Bartomeu is doing it wrong because he can't get rid of him. And when Luis Suarez goes, then people are complaining because he's going for free. And if Luis Suarez refuses to go, then they're complaining because Barca are playing his salary to, to leave. I mean, it's just the negativity that the club is in. Obviously, it's self-inflicted. I think Bartomeu fully deserves what, what's happening. But also, we need to, in my opinion, I think that the fan base needs to be clear on what they want. I mean, what is it they want more? Do they want Suarez to go or do they want Suarez to stay? And then from that from that point on, if he stays, are you going to have him playing 90 minutes? Are you going to have him playing 20 minutes? Are you going to have him sitting in the stands? So so once everyone's made their own minds up, then that's what you need to defend. Uh, the, the transfer in itself, I think that um, Suarez has been shopping, shopping himself around, really, trying to offer himself to different clubs. Uh, Juventus seemed to be the ones that um, had the most interest to get him. But then they went for somebody else, Checo, at the time. The option to go to Atletico Madrid came up. Um, Atletico were very clear they wanted him. There was two conditions, uh, according to the Catalan media. It was for one of the strikers to go. And it looks like Morata is going to be leaving Atletico. So Simeone needs another striker. So that was condition one. Uh, basically not having three strikers at one because they've got Morata and they've got Diego Costa as well. And then the second option was that um, whoever came, in this case Suarez, was going to be coming for free. And that's what he's negotiated with the club. He wanted to, and he point blank refused for the last couple of weeks to even negotiate with anyone uh, or to accept a deal anywhere else because he wanted his salary in full. So what Barca had negotiated, my understanding is, yeah, so it was a, a figure around 50% of the salary, but you know, depending which which media outlet you rely on, that, that may vary. And to be honest, we'll never find out anyway. Um, I think it's really bizarre, though, that the, the transfer to Atletico was blocked. Uh, maybe Bartomeu is looking at social media more than we think. And maybe, you know, he was reminded of the David Villa fiasco that, you know, then he came back and scored against us several times. And then, you know, Atletico knocked us out of the Champions League, etc., etc., etc. But I think it all ties up with Bartomeu and this board not, not really being able to, to do anything that makes much sense at all. I think it's a lack of clarity. I think it's what Messi said in his interview, to be honest. I think it's just... Juanda Malabares, just trying to juggle everything, trying to firefight rather than having a long-term plan, a long-term solution. And this is yet another example. Um, I think Suarez does have to go. And I really don't trust this board, as we are seeing. Um, and I am right to not, not trust them. But I really don't trust this board to, to be able to get anything good out of him. So in this position and in this situation, given the timeline, I think the best thing is for him to go and for Barca not to lose too much money in the process. Yeah, I, I think w what is done is done. So the, by terminating his contract and having to pay a portion of his salary, we know that's going to happen. So Luis Suarez is not, you have to get rid of the idea that you're going to replace him or he's going to help replace some other striker because they're legitimately going to be paying to get rid of Luis Suarez. So that is the basically where the club is at. And they've said that it's time to move on from him. And so they have to move on from him in any way that they possibly can, which is, again, frustrating that it has now come to this and so I, I think you said it pretty properly that this is what the situation is with Luis Suarez and to answer Richard's question he has said what realistic fallback plans well the fallback plan is that Coutinho has returned and you have we'll say Messi without Suarez sure but you also have Antoine Griezmann and you're hoping that you're going to get a little bit more out of Ansu Fati you hope you're going to get something out of Dembele you hope you're going to get something out of Trincao so it really will be a committee of players that you're going to try to get 20 plus goals from it's not necessarily just one player and even if they get 15 of those 
But as, as we mentioned before, I think it was what, two weeks ago, I really broke down the numbers there about how Antoine Griezmann, if you get seven or eight more goals out of him, you get four more out of Fati, and you get just four goals out of Trincao, that's how you get your 20. So is it a guaranteed 20 goals from one player, as Richard asked? No, but you're hoping that you're basically guaranteeing, uh, assuring yourself a commitment of goals from a number of different players. So I would expect that that's where you would hope to get it from. And the numbers I threw out there weren't even that lofty to think that Fati is going to be get, getting four goals than he did last year. I mean, he's, he's looked terrific. Just I mean, yes, it was just against Elche in the Gampere Trophy game, but he just looks to be making the, run, the runs into the box. His body, as he continues to grow into it, he is dangerous in the air. And so I'm very optimistic about the output that Fati's going to have this year. Same thing again with Trincao, that I think he's been better than expected. And somebody asked about Tapai. And I had mentioned on Twitter to the person that about the Depay situation, I actually think Trincao breaking out in the way that he has. Again, he has looked much better, I think, than people expected already. And I know it's just preseason, but if he is already ahead of schedule, we'll say, then that makes the Depay thing. I think that can put that one to bed, even if the club had money to spend, which, which they don't. Which, speaking of money, we're going to transition this into the idea that you were bringing up about Messi, also saying that the board has no sporting plan. So here's where we uh, now raise eyebrows here. Poncho asks, right now, what has the bigger odds? Dest, Emerson, throw Max Ahrens in there from Norwich City, playing right back this season, or are going to have a repeat of two years ago when Jordi Alvarez are only left back after Lucas Digne was sold? And Sean asks, who would you prefer to replace Semedo with Dest, Ahrens, and Emerson? And this is coming on the back of... Nelson Semedo, whose agent is the super agent, the Portuguese agent, who is also representing Cristiano Ronaldo, but also Ansu Fati. So he is going to join a number of compatriots. And I'm not sure. I think the number is 11 players on Wolverhampton's books, either out on loan or at the club, who have an agent that is Jorge Mendes and are of Portuguese origin. So as much as people are frustrated by Semedo and happy to see him leave and say, don't hit the door on your way out, I thought Semedo had a fine tenure at Barcelona. It is, as, as Valverde famously says, it is what it is. But I think the move to Wolverhampton and Wolves in, in the EPL in the West Midlands is a good move for Semedo. 32 to 35 million, it's reported somewhere in there, I think is good money for Semedo as well. Now the question becomes, is this because the board had a plan to replace a player that being I believe he's going to be 20, yeah, he's going to be 27 in a few months, that he basically is the player he's going to be, and that player just doesn't have a high enough ceiling and just doesn't fit in enough at Barcelona, and so that's why you're replacing him now and trying to get ahead of the curve. Absolutely not. Is that the reason? We know that the board does not have that kind of forward thinking and sporting plan, particularly in times of COVID, so we know that this board just needed to cash in on Semedo, who's one of the few players that was either A, you couldn't you couldn't sell like a Messi or a Fati, or that other clubs just weren't willing to take for anything. I mean, Arturo Vidal, we said goodbye to him to Inter, but you got 1 million or 1 million in variables, some ridiculously low number for Arturo Vidal. So it seems like Semedo was one of the only players that the board could possibly raise funds for. So cynically, I say you start this deal and say, it wasn't because they had a sporting plan and were thinking of bringing in Dest or Aarons or Emerson or a future right back to deputy for... Sergio Roberto until they were ready to take over. I, I think this deal starts by cynically saying that there was no plan and they just knew they had to offload this player to get as much money as possible because he was worth something in the market. So I think that's where you start from there. Frances, do you want to weigh in on the credence of that before? I, I know you probably don't watch Dest, Aarons, and Emerson much, but I definitely have opinions on all three of those. So I, I'd say, how about you weigh in on the Emerson deal first and then I'll hit those. Well, let's go step by step. Um, I think Semedo has been good for Barca since he got signed. I think his first season 
was not very convincing. But then again, it wasn't terrible. Um, he was adapting. He was getting better. And uh, I think that he's probably the most physical player we've got in the squad. Um, I think he's incredibly fit. I think he's incredibly fresh. And I think that, um, especially in the last third of last season, he was one of our best players. Um, obviously, uh, people just remember the last game and he was destroyed by Bayern. But then again, so were the other 14 Barca players that played that day. Um, so, you know, I don't want to just, just remember him for that memory. I think that he's someone who has grown. I think he's someone who's made Sergio Roberto better. They've improved each other. I think having that competencia, that rivalry for the starting position is is great. I mean, you do see it at the other side with Jordi Alba. He's got no one pushing him and uh, he's resting on, on his laurels, not really getting any better. So I think that having Semedo and, and Sergio Roberto both spurring each other on has been positive for both. I do agree that Semedo is not going to be a world-class right-back like we need him to be, especially given the systems that Barca play and even the 4-2-3-1 that Kuman is trying to implement. So um, I am sad to see him go. But then again, I think that whoever we sign could potentially be better. I mean, out of the names you've thrown out, I think Dest obviously has been playing for Ajax for a season and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Ajax is a club that plays pretty much exactly like Barca. Very similar philosophy and uh, a lot of players that have made the transition from Amsterdam to Barcelona have actually been good. Um, and at 19 years old, I think that that could be that could be a great step forward for him and a great step forward for us as well. Obviously, he's American as well. So everything we said about Conrad in the last podcast in terms of marketing, in terms of appeal, in terms of um, the USA market really opening up a little bit more. Um, which obviously is, is crucial for Barca uh, from a worldwide perspective and marketing perspective, I think that would help. But obviously Bayern Munich are after him as well, and they're in a much better economical, and even, to be honest, it's sad to say, but in a much better, a much more healthy sporting position as well. So if I was him, I would probably go to Bayern at this stage, yeah. to be honest. Um, but then Aaron's, uh, funnily enough, I've got a very close friend who works with me here in Doha, and uh, he supports Norwich, he's from Norwich. So I've been hearing about Aaron's for, for a couple of years now. Um, he's played a lot of games. Um, he's very rarely got injured, if, if ever, since he's made his professional debut. He's been one of the best players for Norwich for the last couple of years, a regular fixture. I was reading today, um, he's out of all the under-20 fullbacks that play in Europe, he's the one that's played the most. So he's got plenty of experience. Um, I think it would be great to have someone from, from England and the UK as well at Barca. So I think that either one of those two should be a good choice, especially if you lose Semedo. As long as you can, you know, make a little bit of a profit, which is obviously what Bartomeu is after, then I'm happy for, you know, replacing a 27-year-old with a 20-year-old, because I think that not necessarily for the now, not necessarily that it would save Bartomeu's pocket, which he probably will uh, if Semedo does go, not necessarily because it would make Kuman incredibly happy, but it probably will as well. Um, I think that in the long term, whatever board comes, um, I don't think they would disagree too much with signing a 19, 20-year-old right back when you've only got Sergio Roberto, who's around 28 now, as an option. I think that would be a good move. Uh, uh, but most importantly, I think that it's a move that the next president, president and the presidential board would actually approve of. So any one of those two would be good. Um, to be honest, if I have to choose, I'll probably choose Dest. But um, Aaron's would be a good choice as well in my eyes. Yeah, and the third option seems, at least up to today, to be Emerson, but Real Betis say that they don't want to let him go because Barcelona would, at this point, in theory, have to pay $12 million to cut that loan short to bring him to the camp. No, 
early. And so it seems like that one is less likely. That's also just, again, once again, terrible business by Barcelona if they're going to need Emerson. But Emerson is, uh, believe it or not, I, I very attacking. And of the three, I actually, I mean, he knows the Liga. And I've seen him just as much as I've seen Destin. Aaron's is the one, as you mentioned. I've only seen him maybe five to six times. I know he's played 3,200 minutes in the Premier League. And he is young. He's not just a defensive midfielder. But of the three, Aaron's is the most defensive of the bunch. Though Emerson does have a little bit of physicality to him. And Dest is, of the, the trio, I think the biggest work in progress. But also the one with the highest potential. And I think people were really getting on the whole American bias and Dest thing. And, you know, I, I, I don't get into flame wars on the internet. But my only response, I think, for anyone who's saying that we're overhyping Dest is that it's not me who's saying that Dest is awesome. Let's go get Dest. Uh, Yeah, I'm saying that. But Bayern Munich is agreeing with me. And it seems like if I'm going to trust the person on the Internet or the uh, Bayern Munich as who can evaluate talent better, I'm going to say, well, the player that I'm saying is pretty good. And and I've been saying for now two years now that could be good at Barcelona. Bayern seems to agree with me. So, I mean, there you go. (laughs) There's my credibility. But for Max Ahrens, yeah, it's not I I don't think it's a step down. I think he's a little bit of a different player. But at 20, he's played over 3,200 minutes in the Premier League, as you made mention to. He does have some experience under his belt already, just being 20 years old. Yeah, I do question his ceiling. But hey, if a player can progress and get better, and I think that's the argument here too, where I see a lot of people saying, oh, you're overhyping Des and Aarons and Emerson, all these players. But the argument here is that if, if Des goes to Bayern, which I do believe he will, I mean, a race between Bayern and Barca, as we brought up, who would you choose? Uh, the one with the better sporting plan and the one who can offer more money? It seems like that's two for two. The reason why you trust Bayern to pick up Dest and the reason why you'd be worried about Barca getting either Dest or Aaron is that players haven't really been improving at Barcelona. And even if they have, somehow the club goes, well, what if we just sell them, right? Because even Fatih, Fatih was given a chance out of necessity by Ernesto Valverde. And it's not to say that we don't, I mean, we can't see in the micro steps in which Ansu Fati has improved. But the argument here is that Fatih came in already pretty good and he's continued to be good. And so I don't even count bringing, blooding a player like that into the squad as improvement. Even Leng Le, where Leng Le came over from Sevilla for a, a hot minute there, we said, well, oh, maybe he's one of the best center backs in the world. And since that time, he had a down year this past season. And that happens to players. They have up years and down years. But even Frankie de Young, Frankie de Young, we have not seen his best in a Barcelona uniform. He was better the year before at Ajax when they, when they went to the semifinal. He just looked more dynamic. He was just a better all-around player. And I just it continues to baffle me. The reason why, you know, the pushback of, we'll say, overhyping all these players is that I, I think people have lost faith in the concept that a player could improve at Football Club Barcelona. And that is one of the things that a new board and, I, and a new manager and new blood, whoever, I mean, I'm not saying new blood for Komen. I need to give Komen a fair shake first. But... The idea that a new board and almost a new idea, a new philosophy, a new feeling around the club is that players will improve. Because even this deal, as I said, the really cynical part of this is that this is only made as a money move. And if no race for Dest and Real Betis stick their heels and say, no, you don't can't get Emerson this year, then what are Barcelona going to do? Uh, as we mentioned, they're going to get somebody. They're going to figure something out. And we've even seen at the center back thing, if they can't get Eric Garcia, they're still going to sell to Debo. And now they're looking at Mark Muniesa, who's currently playing in Qatar. And you want to talk about a big step down. I mean, he was playing for Girona in the second division, I believe, was it last year or the year before? So 
which yeah, I think it was last year. So Muniesa, that winds up being the solution. I think the same thing would happen at right back, where Barca will get a backup right back. They will get a warm body. Again, we might start to get calls here, but they're going to get a warm body to back up Sergio Roberto. And Kevin Williams pointed out on Twitter too that Ronald Coleman, it was, it was weird about a week ago, a week and a half ago, when Ronald Coleman uh, almost unprompted said, I really like Sergio Roberto. And you go, hmm, so you're going to play him 90 minutes every single match and just pray that he doesn't get injured because it looks like that might be the situation here when it comes to Sergio Roberto. So yeah, for the backup situation, I wish that they would get somebody, but the idea even for La Masia, for those calling for that, at the moment, as I mentioned last week, Barca B have zero, since Sergio Rosanes, who came from Juvenil A, is out with an injury, Barca B currently have zero healthy fullbacks. They're currently playing, or not fullbacks, but but right backs. They have Alejandro Balde, the promising left back who just made his Barca B debut. Let's celebrate that. But on the right side, they're playing a center back, as they did for much of last year as well. So Barca B still also don't have a right back, and they almost need to replace it at that level as well until Sergio Rosanes. If that's a long-term injury, then you have big questions. So currently, if you don't count Sergio Roberto as a natural right back, the oldest, healthiest natural right back that FC Barcelona has is an 18-year-old Marc Allegre. I'm not putting that name in your head because you're going to see him in the first team for the next three or four years or ever. The point is, there's an 18-year-old Juvenil A player that just got promoted to Juvenil A. That is the healthiest, oldest, natural fullback at FC Barcelona. You want to talk about not having a sporting project or making a joke or calamity of certain situations? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, no, I cannot disagree. I cannot disagree. Um, all I will say then is that I'd rather Barca sign no one yeah. than sign someone for uh, for above the price. You know, so if you're gonna sign Dest or Aaron's, I would say more than 15 million euros. You don't really want to be spending because again, there's a new board coming. Um, I don't know what the new board will be here. Latest they will be here will be April, I guess, um, unless the Voda Sansura goes goes forward. Um, as I think he will, to be honest. I know we haven't spoken about that today. We did it in the last show, but you know, let's let's be hopeful that you know common sense does prevail and everything goes forward as planned. Um, so I would rather the board not waste money on patches and actually you know have some money in the bank from when the new board and new manager and the new sporting director come in than actually going and buy something a la desesperada, which is in a desperate manner. Yeah, I agree. And the reason we also can't have it. Uh, update the voter no confidence is it's it's 10 days and we're still working through those 10 days of approving the signatures there has been some news coming out that some a, a, a number of those signatures are going to be thrown out but i wouldn't put much credence behind that i mean you're going to see a lot of, of smearing a lot of we'll say nasty politics coming out about the motion to censure as well so i would definitely question everything you read when it comes to the approval of these signatures and the process in which how this goes down again that's 10 days and then 10 days after that once they're approved, then there has to be a vote for the referendum. And we're, so we will be explaining that in future weeks. We are still a ways away. I think the potentially, even if it, everything were to go through and then another vote were to go through for the referendum, that two-thirds and all that, the soonest that any change in a board could happen is, I believe, the last week of November. So, I mean, when it because everything gets 10 to 14 days to go through and every mm-hmm. bit of this process is going to drag on. So I think that's the closest or the soonest I've seen that this could happen here. So I think you also answered questions from Michael and Albert. They asked about would it be make sense not to sign any players in this window or to just withhold the funds? And I think you you said that pretty articulately that that would be the better idea. That would be the good faith thing that a board might do, knowing that they're going to be replaced. But uh, as I've said, things can be happening for multiple reasons. So this board could just be attempting to sell off players and to 
get as much money in as they possibly can. They're not withholding funds, but they're saying these are funds that we need to use to save our own bacon. So that is, again, the, the, the sad part of this, the negative side of this. So I want to end this show real briefly with Emmanuel and Vilmos. We have some questions about La Masia real quick. Emmanuel asks, in light of the recent repeated events of coaches overlooking La Masia products, and uh, now we're talking about Ricky Pooch as well, do you think it is necessary to tweak the physical training and preparation of La Masia players, especially when they get to the U19 level? And then Vilmos asks, do you think La Masia players will be disappointed that they're seeing players, again, like Puj, get to the first team, but then not really being allowed a chance to get in, that they think that their work will go in vain and never appreciated? First answer to Emmanuel. Emmanuel, we have seen players like Fatih. We have seen players like Puj. If you are good enough in La Masia and the club is not completely brain dead and recognize their own talent, then you will get into the first team. So, I mean, ES Mariba. Uh, and Conrad De La Fuente, I've said those two seem to be the next two in line. I have no worries about their physicality. I have no worries about their physical preparation. If you are good enough to play for the first team and you have a manager who is able to recognize talent, that he's going over to the Estadio Johan Cruyff and actually seeing the talent that the club already has at its disposal. If you had a manager with uh, three brain cells enough to do that, well, then the good enough players will make it to the first team. That's my answer to that. And then on the other one, as far as uh, players in La Masia not thinking that they can get the first team having seen a player like Ricky Pooj potentially be discarded. I would say that I think that is actually a problem, but I think what you're seeing there is you do see some talent leave La Masia, but you also see talent come in. And the understanding we have to have is, and Yesta has spoken well about this, and he speaks it much more articulately than me, but Yesta said that it is a very small chance that you make the first team. And I think all La Masia Academy players dream of being in the first team. That is what you want to do is, is it's score a goal in particular on the grass at the camp. No, but I, most of those youngsters understand that I want it to be me, but most of us will not make it. And there is an understanding that and football in essence is still a business. And so, yes, I'm not talking about the 10 or 11 or 12 year olds. It's unfortunate when that becomes a business, but when it comes to the 15, 16, 17 year olds, as they see other players at their age bracket, making first team debuts at other places, and they still are waiting and dreaming and waiting and dreaming. Yeah, that is something, but players are also told and see that if they have the talent, that it is possible. And I think it is actually prudent for the club to let these players know that they might have a shot or that they do have the potential and kind of there has to be an understanding. So it's okay when other players leave La Masia and succeed, having come up through other academies, having left uh, La Masia, that's fine. But the more important part of that equation is that the people at Barcelona, the actual technical directors and Cloyvert in charge of the academy and the first team manager and and Pimienta, I think, has done a really good job in in getting young players prepared for the first team. They have to be ready to actually play La Masia players. That's the thing. And the, if the La Masia player is good enough, the club has to recognize that and get them into the first team. Well, put it this way. I think that when Xavi and Messi and Puyol and Iniesta and, you know, Pedrito and Sergio Busquets, even Piqué, you can throw in there as well, even though he had a different journey. When all of those players were being promoted and were becoming stars, um, everyone behind was rallying. Everyone behind was even more geared up to make it because they, they saw that the door was wide open. At the moment, I don't think the door could be any more shut. I think that it has taken someone exceptional like Ansu Fati to come and erupt um, to actually, you know, I mean, he's not even established yet, but, you know, he seems to be on the way to being established at first team level. Um, and I think that 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 aspiration, that role model that, that has to be there and at the moment it just isn't. I think that, as you mentioned, the vast majority of players in La Masia and the Barca youth system, they do understand that they're very likely to go somewhere else. And, and I think that 
any player understands as well. And, you know, we haven't really mentioned this in the podcast, but when you, because my brother obviously played there, and I've got also friends who played for Barca as well in the different categories, when you progress throughout the ranks and you're, say, 15, 16, 17 years old, it is much, much easier to get into, say, the national team, the Catalan national team, uh, Selección Catalana, or the Selección Española, the Spanish, Spanish national team, if you play for a team like Barca or Madrid or Atletico or Sevilla. And I will throw in Valencia there as well. If you're from those big five, play, five teams, it's really, really likely that you make it into the national team, either one of the two. And if you make it into, say, Selección Catalana, that you're very likely to have all the, all the professional um, ojeadores, uh, scouts watching you. So you've got a, a bigger chance to progress. So the longer you can stay at Barca at youth level, then the most likely you are to, to become a professional. I think that the vast majority of players now understand they're not going to be Messi, they're not going to be Iniesta, and they just have to be themselves. And I think that, and we are seeing it especially, well, it's been nearly 10 years now, um, at 16, 17 years old, we lose so many players to the Premiership because it seems that the route to the first team is much quicker in there. Like players like Cesc Fabregas at the time, or Bellerin even, or even Eric Garcia that we haven't mentioned today, but I'm sure we'll mention to, um, not tomorrow, but in the next show. And there are many more that have followed that pattern and followed that, that, that journey. And I really do think that people do understand, uh, that the youngsters do understand, the agents do understand, and the parents do understand that football does not end at Barca. I think that is quite clear. And uh, that is why not everyone is prepared to wait. So when something is exceptional happens, which is like someone of the caliber of Ricky Butch doesn't allow anyone like Ronald Koeman to kick him out of the club when his contract is standing, then I think that's something to celebrate. Um, I think that we should be proud of what Ricky Puig is trying to achieve, his determination. I mean, it's not the first time that Ricky has actually been pushed out of Barca. Two years ago, um, Kloiver tried to do the same uh, when he was about to be promoted to Barca B. He said it's better for him to go on, on loan. Yeah, and, then Pep, and, and actually three years ago, then it was Pep Segura before him when he was still with Juvenil A and he was basically moved back from the false nine into the midfield by Pimienta and that basically saved his Barca career as well. So yeah, Ricky Puj is constantly this club. <laughs> I don't it's, it's the oddest thing, right? That he still continues to this club to love this club, even after all the time this club has said that they don't maybe don't necessarily love him. Uh, he's almost waiting for that next board. He's almost waiting for that manager that's going to say, yeah, I want to do things. I mean, it's crazy to say, but go back and do things the way that you expect Barcelona to do them. Yeah, the word you're looking for is properly, do things properly, isn't it? <laughs> so um, it, is, it is great to see. It is great to see. Um, he's got offers to go. He's got, um, obviously, a very negative atmosphere around him in the sense that everyone seems to be baffled, like we both are, we can't even speak anymore, we were baffled about what the whole situation is. And uh, he's persevering to stay, he's got more than enough quality to make it. And, you know, what Ricky Puig is doing is a great role model of, of what others could do. But the thing is, you know, maybe there is this, this sentence, isn't it? Um, El tren solo pasa una vez, which is you may only get one chance in your life to do something. And uh, when... Manchester City or Chelsea or Manchester United or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, come with a lot of money and a check when you're 16 and you see that someone like Ricky Puig cannot even make it into the first team and establish himself because he's being pushed out left, right and center, then that that could force you out. Um, but it's, it's what um, Xavi and Victor Font has been saying and what Messi said in his interview as well. It's just that the current board is just not 
very good. You know, they don't really have a sporting project that is long term. And because things seem to be done, you know, at the spur of the moment and, and to save my own backside sort of sort of moves like the panic buying we've described in this podcast already, then that makes the youngsters not be too sure about the future. Therefore, they end up leaving and, you know, the, the whole the whole pyramid of succession in the long term does crumble. But, you know, there's a Vodas and Sura out. Um, the sources are aware of what's happening and I just hope that things things move forward and we can stop being so negative in the podcast because we actually have some, got something great to talk about. Yeah, the next time you'll hear us, they will have already been a match against Villarreal and the Liga will have already started. So Real Madrid have already dropped points to Real Sociedad. So, I mean, again, that's another little thing to celebrate. But for Barcelona, what Wise Man once said that you got to take care of your own house first. And as Kevin Williams said on this podcast, that very thing a few months ago, with that at the time was we were talking about racism and our relationship with those issues. But almost the same thing applies for, for FC Barcelona. They've got to take care of themselves first before they worry about Real Madrid or anybody else. And they certainly have their issues. So we will see what has changed. I mean, things are changing by the hour. I would expect that Sergino Dest is a Bayern Munich player by next week. And that's basically the only thing I could say that might be confirmed because that whether there's new players in at Barca or Luis Suarez is finally leaving, things are seemingly happen at Barca at a, a snail's pace because other clubs win those negotiations. But Frances, as you said, we have said all we can say, and I think that we've run out of words, as you mentioned. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me, on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. That closed Facebook group where we got these questions from, including deeper dives and discussions, is tvpod.link backslash group. So answer the questions first, and we'll let you in. If you don't answer the questions, you don't get in. And you can also help us out on Patreon to make these shows at tvpod.link backslash Patreon. We really always appreciate the help there. We're also on YouTube. As many know, the Barcelona Podcast. You can check us out there and hit that subscription button. That's also where you're going to find some of the match reviews as well as those being on the Patreon as well. So there's multiple places to get additional content, not just the podcast. So check us out in all those different places. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.